Trigger warning. This episode contains discussion about sexual assault, rape, gun violence, and eating disorders, and will contain minor use of profanity. The content may be disturbing or triggering to some. This week's conversation was spurred by events that happened in the past to people I know and to myself. My opinions are my own and not to be taken as medical advice. And if you feel this podcast may spur concerns for your own safety and well-being, please skip this episode and come back in the coming weeks for the next topic. If you have been a victim or are suffering from any of the aforementioned topics, I encourage you to seek help from a professional and make a plan for healing. I'll give you a moment to stop the episode if you find this may disturb you. Have you ever learned of a sexual assault and after hearing more details, you discovered the girl had stated that she wanted to go out and find somebody, that she was dressed in a tight and revealing dress, that she was being flirtatious? Have you ever had a doubt in your mind that maybe she was giving too many signals and How can you blame that guy for not understanding that she didn't want sex? If so, I don't blame you. We know it's not right to victim blame, but it's so easy for our brains to trick us into believing that there was a reason. Someone was at fault. It wasn't just an evil act. So why do we continue to find fault within the victim? Welcome to Candidly Creative, a bi-weekly podcast from Creatively Caitlin that focuses on open, honest conversations. If you like what you hear, follow me on Instagram at creatively underscore Caitlin, or head to my website, www.caitlinnorum.com. I've seen so many memes and TikToks and reels and YouTube videos, and honestly, just overall content sharing stories of what women have been trained to do and why it's so difficult to live our daily lives and specifically in terms of our safety. Women are taught to avoid, to protect themselves, to pacify, to be aware of everything at all times. Never walk alone, check your back seats, carry your keys like a shiv, wear modest clothing to detract attention, walk on paths that are well-traveled during the daytime, never walk alone and never walk at night. Well, that stuff doesn't work. So many of us have the same story in different variations. But the problem is no matter what happened and in what severity, there always seems to be the same sentiment that's given back to us. We're blamed. I've been told you kiss like you want to fuck. You're dressed like you're asking for it. You didn't even say no. Why were you even there? I have several experiences where I have experienced victim blaming. So let's talk about a few of them. For about four years, I binged and purged. I grew to love the feeling of emptiness that comes with purging. And to this day, I know that purging will make me feel better after eating or drinking too much. But the difference is that now I recognize that it's not healthy and it's not really a way to control the situation. It never really worked the way I wanted it to, and it definitely cannot fix a feeling of insecurity or worthlessness. But despite the fact that I was stuck in this disease and disorder, people would just tell me I needed to do better, eat better, more calories out than in, track things, 
don't eat because of your emotions or boredom. It seems really simple, but it's, it's not. You do things because you don't know a different way. You want to try to find control, but you are constantly failing. So you repeat it like it's going to be a different result this time. And I can't claim to know much about eating disorders because I was never even formally diagnosed with one. And I quote unquote cured myself. But there's a sense of blame that is put on people. Why doesn't the anorexic just eat? Why doesn't the fat girl just work harder? Why can't they make better choices? In another area of my life, I've also been victim blamed. My sex life. When my first boyfriend threatened to break up with me unless I had sex with him, I still didn't want to. But I definitely didn't say no. I just let it happen. Throughout our relationship, he would force my head towards his crotch. He would push me up against a wall. He would force me without actually raping me because I really never said no. When I would start to fight back or tell him I didn't want to, he would tell me that I didn't love him and that if I didn't do it, he was going to break up with me. He would say, I acted like I wanted it and I led him on, so why wouldn't I continue if I loved him? And seeing that situation from an adult perspective rather than a scared and insecure teen, I see it for what it was. It was sexual coercion. It's not necessarily rape, but it definitely was abuse. During my 20s, people advised me that I should have said no or should have pressed charges, and that's great. I should have broken up with him, they said. They said I should have been stronger, more careful. But I was young, and I thought I was in love, and I was eager to experience that love feeling. I guess I just didn't realize at the time what love actually was. Years later, after a divorce, a broken engagement, and countless bad relationships, I experienced true fear on a first date. We had met on a dating site, and he decided to visit town and stayed in a hotel. I wasn't comfortable with a stranger staying at my apartment, so he agreed to get a hotel. Our date was good. We had great conversation, good food, good wine. I had fun. I was attracted to him. And at the end of the night, he was going to Uber back to his hotel. But I thought since it wasn't that far from my house, I could drive him back. But when we got to the drop-off, he asked me upstairs. And I told him no, I wasn't really ready to do anything and didn't want to have sex. And he made it a big deal about it not being about sex. And he just wanted to continue the conversation. Why was I making a big deal out of it? I told him that we could talk more on the phone or have another date, but definitely not in the hotel and definitely not tonight. So he kissed me goodnight, and apparently that decided that he had the green light. He began groping my breasts, and even when I was shoving his hands away, he decided to start groping lower and, again, refused to listen to my request and demands for him to stop. I was buckled into my seat, and I felt trapped. Eventually, I stopped fighting his hands and reached for my door and said, if you do not stop, I will cause a scene and call the cops. To which point, he finally left my car. And he texted me after he got back inside and said, I kissed like I wanted to fuck. I led him to believe I wanted it. I then clearly told him that he had assaulted me and that since I was unharmed, I wasn't pressing charges. But I blocked him and thankfully never heard from him again in any way. And I've shared that story with people a few times and heard a mixture of support and reasoning. People were glad I was okay, sorry it happened, asked why I gave him a ride instead of making him Uber, asked why I didn't see any red flags before it happened. No, I thought we were having a nice date and then it turned sour. How am I to blame for him blatantly ignoring me saying no? 
ignoring me, shoving his hand away from my breast and my crotch, telling him it was time to go. Why is it my fault that I was put in that position? Why isn't it his fault for doing it and not listening? Another example occurred to someone I don't even know. Recently in the news, there was a story that has been kind of glossed over since they don't have a resolution yet. But a few weeks back, a woman was walking on a well-traveled trail with her four-week-old. And she was attacked. We still don't know the details. The police have not told us much, and that's their right. But the first thoughts everyone has is, why was she there? But the reality is, her walking on that trail followed everything that we're taught, aside from simply not being alone. She was walking on a popular trail, in a nicer neighborhood, in broad daylight. You can't always have someone with you. It was a good area. It was supposedly safe, until it wasn't. Why do we want to say that it was her fault for being there? Well, because it means that it wasn't just an evil act. It was caused by someone being unsafe or making bad choices. Not just because it could happen to any one of us. Now, victim blaming isn't just for sexual assaults, rapes, and other sexual crimes. It can be for some more serious things, like murder. I have a friend who I'm going to try to limit the details of what I share because I do not want to bring any more attention to the situation as she's experienced enough trauma already. Someone she knew started harassing her, coming to her house unannounced, threatening her, her boyfriend, and her family making her feel generally unsafe. After months of working to make it go away, doing all of the tricks that were taught as women, being pacifying, friendly, but not too friendly, don't anger them and cause a scene or an issue, she finally told someone and it resulted in him being fired, which apparently broke him. He decided to then commit a violent crime. This resulted in him bringing a gun and killing two people and severely injuring a third. The repercussions of this event affected her for months. Family and friends of the victims blamed her for entertaining his advances and then setting him off. Somehow it was her fault that she wasn't there. But their friend, their family member, their brother, their son died. It was her fault. But why? She was the one who experienced harassment for months. She was stalked. She had a restraining order against him. She had him on tape breaking into her house. She did everything in her power to stop him. The blame is not with her. Just because she wasn't there to be killed? What did they want? For her to be dead instead? Well, probably, honestly. They probably would rather have their family and friend back than her. But that's not okay either. This man broke. He made evil choices. He decided to commit murder and then suicide by police. The blame lives with him and solely with him. But here we are, months after this incident, and she's still told it's her fault. There are thousands of examples of victim blaming, and those are just a few. And while my examples are female-oriented, men do experience it too. Survivors of horrific events are blamed for why they didn't stop it. Men are strong. They should have protected the women and children. Men experience rape and sexual assault, but it's much less reported because of the strong man trope. Victims are not one gender or one type of person or one sexuality. We need to stop blaming the victims for the things that go wrong with them. But let's dive deeper on what exactly victim blaming is. Victim blaming is this incredible phenomenon that puts the blame of the wrongful act or crime on the victim, either fully or at least partially. 
It's a way for people to believe that terrible things could never happen if the victim just did something better, something different. I read an article from Very Well Mind that shared a few reasons why this happens. The first is called attribution error. Attribution error is when people attribute others' behavior to personal characteristics, things about them, rather than the external forces that are to blame. One simple example is failing a test. If a classmate fails, for example, you assume that they didn't study very hard or even maybe throw around the ideas of them being stupid or lazy. But if you fail the test, you start to think about why. Maybe you think you couldn't concentrate because the room was too hot or another classmate was distracting you. Maybe the teacher unfairly graded your answers or there were trick questions. A second reason is hindsight is twenty-twenty. Looking back, we can always see things more clearly. They should have seen those red flags. They shouldn't have continued smoking because they knew cancer was a risk. They should have worked out and eaten healthy instead of binging and purging. They knew better. Another reason is because humans want life to be fair, even if we know it's not. That is called the just world phenomenon. This phenomenon is why we have a base belief of karma and that people get what they deserve. If life isn't fair, then tragedy can happen at any given moment to anyone you love, no matter how cautious or how prepared you might be. Blaming the victim protects that illusion that terrible things only happen to people who have done something to deserve it. The Canadian Parents of Murdered Children, or CPOMC, elaborates on these theories and also adds the concept of the invulnerability theory. This theory is inspired by the idea that we are actually invulnerable It's the belief that bad things can't happen to us because we're stronger, wiser, more together, more fortunate. The victim wasn't able to prevent this tragedy, but it's not that they deserved it, but rather that we are just simply more capable of preventing it. I lock my door every single night so no one will ever break into my house. I wear my seatbelt so I never will have an accident. Those things are not reality, but it's a It's giving reason to a potentially bad situation that you survived. And the base of all this is self-preservation. The brain will always protect itself from senseless acts of evil and trauma. In some cases, your brain may block out memories. In others, it may cause a split and result in a dissociative identity disorder. It's the ultimate self-protective organ. They had to have done something to cause it. It can't just be evil. So we're all trying to make sense of the bad things that happen, and we're all trying to feel safe, and that we can prevent the bad things from happening to us. And that's great, but we really do need to focus on stopping victim blaming. But how do we do that? The first step is always to recognize that it's happening. Are you putting the blame on a person doing the bad things, or are you blaming the person who is experiencing it? While in some cases there are improvements that can be made, being safer, being more cognizant, being organized, being confident in yourself, and not allowing the bad things just to happen to you, but at least fighting back. But more often than not, there isn't really much a victim can do. Next, challenge your own biases and assumptions. Accept that the world does in fact suck, and it's often unfair, that we can prevent so much, but ultimately our choices cannot force someone else to not do something bad. You can assume consent was given in some way, or the person allowed it to happen, but that's not always true. Tolerating is not consent. Being a victim of abuse is not consent. Having had sex before or allowing something to happen in the past does not mean consent. 
Put yourself in their position. See how it could potentially happen to you. Think about the outside forces that the victim and even you couldn't change or fix. You know, for example, in the case of a sexual assault in the daytime on a well-traveled path, not everything has a preventative measure. You can protect yourself well and sometimes even fight it off, but the safest of people can find themselves in dangerous situations. Most importantly, I think, is to shift the blame to the perpetrator. That person made the choice to do something wrong, something evil. You can rationalize away anything, but it doesn't change the fact that it was their choice to do something after being told no, after knowing it's illegal, after knowing it's going to hurt somebody. Only an attacker can prevent an attack. Only a rapist can prevent rape. Yes, in many cases, you can potentially fight people off and even succeed. That's why there's self-defense. But it's still not the victim's fault. It's not yours for wearing an outfit that you find beautiful and feel attractive in. It's not your fault that you've experienced trauma and don't know how to handle an abuser forcing or guilting you into doing something. It's not your fault. Lastly, check your language. Did Jane get raped or did John rape Jane? Is Jane a battered spouse or is John an abuser? It's not the victim's responsibility to prevent bad things from happening to them, and we need to start saying it as such. It's the perpetrator's fault for doing the bad thing. The fault is always placed on the female by our language. We got raped. We were attacked. We are abused. Somehow, we're magically allowing these things to happen. Whereas the men, the attacker, the perpetrator, and even the females in many cases too, are the one who are at fault. It's not the victims. Let's work to be better, to support people who experience the shit that this world has to offer. Let's stop victim blaming. If you or someone you know has been the victim of a sexual assault, I encourage you to reach out to the National Sexual Assault Hotline, RAIN. You can go online to hotline.rainn.org or call 1-800-656-HOPE. That's 1-800-656-4673. If you're a victim of a different crime and ready to get help, but not sure which hotline to contact, reach out to the Victim Connect Resource Center by phone or text. Their number is 1-855-4-VICTIM. That's 1-855-484-2846. From domestic violence to human trafficking, runaways to suicide prevention, they can connect you with the help that you need. If you like what you hear on this podcast, head over to my website, www.caitlinnorm.com, and sign up for my creative circle. My creative circle gets notifications of new episodes of the podcast, new blogs, and information that I know you'll love. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay creative. Music